Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here hosting Southside Sox podcast number 20. Once again, we are going to be touching on Hall of Fame, except we're going to be touching on two Hall of Fames. We're going to look back at the Hall of Fame election, Cooperstown, the regular class, which Crystal and I see her. I don't know. She's over there. Uh, We discussed one podcast ago. We're bringing in Super Joe Reeses, the other half of the Indianapolis contingent at Southside Sox, to help us discuss the other Hall of Fame we're going to be talking about here on the podcast. And that is the fourth annual White Sox, Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame, just exclusive to the White Sox. So welcome, Indianapolis contingent. We've got Super Joe Reeses and OK Crystal O'Keefe, or All Right Joe Reeses, and okay, Crystal O'Keefe. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thank, Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, the Indianapolis contingent is polite. Okay, let's jump right into the ballot that Crystal and I discussed a podcast ago. In some detail, we're getting a crisper focus on what the actual baseball writers, per se, if we want to call them that, uh, are doing, but we also have our results with the Southside Sox Hall of Fame. We had a lot of votes and we had no one come close, uh, which was a bit of an odd result. You thought somebody might peak over 70%, but we had a lot of solid support, no breakout support, and really not even many guys falling off the ballot. So I guess impressions of a first time ever in, I believe, 11 years of us running these at Southside Sox. Nobody elected in the regular election. Uh, thoughts on that? 
Joe, I'll let you go first. <laughs> sure. It's it hasn't really been that long without um any like empty ballots. It's that's kind of yeah, that's certainly an unusual result, like you said. And um yeah, um yeah, Helton had the most support I noticed, which I felt I feel like he's pretty deserving of it. Um like even if you take the core's effects away, like he still had a very, very solid career um, as far as his abilities to get on base and hit for power. So I feel like he's deserving, and I'm glad to see that he got as much support as he did. Um, but, um, yeah, of course, wasn't enough and wasn't really that close to being enough. He had 58%. Yeah, um, and what's crazy with Helton is we're, we're almost we, – we're almost – forced to choose like the lesser of evils with this ballot. I mean, you know, Helen's a guy, I even forgot when, when, when Crystal and you and I spoke, you know, I thought, you know, this guy like crashed his car into a tree. He's had like two, three DUIs. And again, relatively speaking on the shilling scale, that's mm-hmm. a sneeze. And maybe that's what I'm saying is, you know, at some point you just gotta, you gotta check off guys who are like, oh, you know, the best of the worst. That's pretty, that's a pretty sad Hall of Fame election. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like, yeah, there are quite a few players on the ballot with, you know, a lot of, I guess, baggage or things that could potentially keep them off of, keep them out of the Hall of Fame, you know, that don't relate to exactly on-field performance. Um, But, um, yeah, um, yeah, certainly, yeah, Schilling had probably Hall of Fame numbers, but I mean, it's really hard to give someone like him a a vote right, right now. I mean, um, just for pretty obvious reasons, I think, um, as far as other players who I feel like are deserving, yeah, Roland, like Scott Roland had pretty decent support. Um, but yeah, at only 49%, I feel like maybe his defense wasn't getting enough, um, or still isn't getting enough attention, um, yeah, he was an excellent third baseman for quite some time and, uh, is, and as well as being a pretty strong hitter, like he had a career weighted runs created plus above 120. So that's, I feel like he was a very good all around player who, and he has, if I'm not mistaken, like no off the field baggage. So, um, yeah, yeah, he didn't get as much support as he did, but th- still think that he's being um, sold a little bit short. And, and you can and you can draw a real distinction between you know a lot of the support for a guy like Omar Vizquel, and let's say you know pre-domestic violence attack um, accusations mm-hmm. uh, alleged. Uh, you know, I mean, okay, Omar was a great defensive player, no doubt about it. Roland was a great defensive player. Right? Roland could hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Omar couldn't. Uh, to me, they're 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 in, in two separate you know camps here. And the idea right. that Vizquel has been getting you know I guess prior to this year been getting more support, um, even then I think Andrew Jones, two guys who are clear Hall of Famers versus Omar Vizquel. Crystal is the uh, the result that we're seeing with the with both the Southside Sox election and uh, the writers the way it's looking like Sheeling may fall just short. I know it pleases you, uh, surprise you uh, at all in, in either case. I don't think it surprises me actually that he's kind of falling short because I think a lot of people 
probably voted after a lot of even just the most recent news broke. So I think that definitely brought his numbers down, which is a relief for me because we all know how I feel about him. Um, so I'm not really all that surprised that he's not going well. He, he likely won't make it because he's sitting at 70 right now. And, you know, we talked about this earlier, just you and I, about how um, the private ballots are usually a little more brutal. So I don't, I don't think they'll include him and I really don't think he'll make it. And I'm not surprised by that at all. But listen, both you guys, let's, let's address an issue that, you know, I think has been, um, it's been castigated by some folks. Uh, the, the whole idea that some of the writers have uh, chased their way back into the mailbox, trying to grab their ballots back in order to not vote for Schilling specifically because of uh, the events surrounding January 6th, uh, where he was um, tweeting or whatever, supporting insurrection of the United States, um, uh, pledging support and so forth. Obviously, I think I made it clear, again, to some degree, Crystal, to my own embarrassment last uh, podcast, that that was the line that crossed it for me. And clearly, you can look back and say, this guy's got a body of work that makes him an utter jackass, and maybe he shouldn't have my vote in the first place. And there's been a lot of focus on you know, there's been some mockery of it, I think, where it's like, oh, well, yeah, you didn't know who he was already. And I, I get that. Uh, but at the same time, it can also just be, whether this is considered the most hideous or whether his, um, I don't know, his his sideways Nazi support or his, you know, whatever. I mean, he also like defended his daughter from bullies online once. So, I mean, I suppose the, the picture is never always that clear. That said, the question is, is the idea of trying to change that vote when something's happened that really maybe just might push you over the edge? Maybe it's just that's the 10th terrible thing and, and your limit as a voter is 10 terrible things and now you don't want to vote for them. Is it something you can get behind that makes sense to you or, or, or do you think, you know, hey, if you rode with them this far, just 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 go all the way? I would say own up to it. If I mean, like you said, this was the year you finally said, you know what, I'm not going to vote for him. <laughs> but still, you own up to that. So I think as long as you are very clear with your intentions and saying, you know what, this guy's a scumbag, and he's always been one, but I was cool with it up until this year. Own up to it. That's that's all I care about. As long as you can show that you're yeah, a really... person <laughs> and give your reasoning on why you no longer want to vote for him, then cool. I'll still support you. Joe, help. <laughs> Sorry, you got the angry feminist. Oh no! Listen. Oh no! No no. <laughs> yeah. The only um, thing is, my out for a moment, so I missed a, a chunk of that. But I, oh. I, I got the I got the gist behind what what you were saying. Yes. Um. It. Uh, I am a little bit unsure about this one. Still, uh, it's a little bit. Like, I think I kind of agree with the point about, you know, if you've rode the player for this far, then, like, you know, you'll probably have the chance to make your voice heard next year when he's still on the ballot and you have another chance to vote no. And um, you can kind of say publicly, like, hey, I cast my ballot before this news came out, but, you know, if I could have it, have this vote back, I would, and then you could have the chance to, you know, next year. I think one of the weaker arguments you can make is, and it's one that can be made, 
because there's this whole amorphous character clause. And, and let's, Cap Anson is in the Hall of Fame. And I probably can't think of, there might be worse, I don't know, Mountain Landis maybe is worse. Um, he's probably the worst guy in the Hall of Fame, as much as you want to talk about uh, Ty Cobb. A lot of that stuff seems apocryphal anyway, even though he didn't seem like he was a very nice guy. Uh, or Pete Rose, you know, and his constant lobbying and, and all the stuff he's done wrong in the game on and off the field. Uh, but that seems to be weak, a uh, weak argument to say, well, uh, you know, that guy's in. So, or it's just on the field. Um, you know, I understand everybody has, I mean, that's what makes this um, exasperating and also delightful because everybody really comes into it. I mean, Crystal and I were just joking about Paul Sullivan's awful uh, ballot, you know, earlier where he just seemingly just threw three darts. I guess he only had three darts at a board and came up with Omar Vizquel and I don't even know who else. Seemed like one legit candidate, one Omar Vizquel and, and, and Mark Burley. Mark Burley was his third guy. We all love Mark Burley, but for crying out loud. So obviously everybody comes in with this different set of standards and the PDs, I guess, is a big one where there's some guys who are just absolute purists, even though we still don't really know. Don't really know. Uh, So, I mean, using that as a a reason to support Kurt Schilling, which is what I had done up until, I mean, I knew the guy was, he's not my kind of guy. Not going to pal around with Kurt Schilling before insurrection, no doubt. But, you know, what he did on the field is clearly Hall of Fame worthy. And there are people who say, listen, it's just on the field. I just want to look at the number, whatever the war number is or the strikeouts number. But the idea that, well, you know, don't, don't be woke in 2021 because we weren't in 1951, I think we all can agree is, is a lousy argument to use to justify Schilling support or Vizquel support or, or any of these guys. Absolutely. Okay, uh, the writers have not come out cl- uh, clearly. I mean, again, I think we have maybe a third, maybe 40% of the ballots are known or so. Um, Burley seems to have the support to stay on. Do we think that the writers and the private ballots are going to give him the push he needs? Because I think Tim Hudson, a guy who think is, I personally think is more worthy for the Hall of Fame, I think is in danger of slipping off in, in just one year. Uh, we think Burley's going to uh, make it to a second year or no? I would lean toward yes on that one. It seems as though he is getting um, some, um, like enough support to stay on at this rate. And I, and like, it seems as though it's unlikely that he gets in. Like I kind of felt that way from the beginning, like you know, unlikely that he gets in at any point, um, like simply because, while he was very consistent, most Hall of Fame voters don't value that um, that whole consistency and aspect and of his game and the ability and his ability to pile on that many like two hundred plus inning seasons and have pretty good results with them um, nearly every year. Like not nothing off the nothing that really jumped off the page, but pretty good numbers with that many innings. Um, it seems like most people will view him as hall of very good material, but um, I do believe he'll, he'll get the 5% in his first year. Um, the, Chica- the Chicago support alone uh, yeah. might do it for him. Although next year there could be split of the Chicago contingent because we got AJ Persinski joining. We got Jake Phoebe jumping on the ballot. So 
could be stressful for Mark. He's going to have to keep lobbying. It's going to, he's going to have to send some Christmas cards this year. Mm-hmm. If he does, uh, he does make the cut. Uh, Joe, Crystal and I spoke in some detail, and I think this is the one area where we, oh, aside from the fact that she hated Kurt Schilling from his, his birth, and I apparently supported him for many years. Um, the one difference we seem to have in our ballots was in support of closers. In our election, Southside Sox, Hall of Fame election, both of the closers, I think there are only the two, uh, Trevor Hoffman, who Southside Sox, in my eyes, wisely have yet to elect to the Hall of Fame, and Billy Wagner, uh, both not only didn't obviously make the cut, but also saw somewhat significant drops in their support in this very strange, I'm not sure what the Southside Sox voters are doing. Maybe they had their own dart board. They had a lot of, they had far more darts because I think our average number of votes was eight plus, uh, but really spread out. And in all of that, a couple of the bigger drops were for the closers. Um, where do you land on the, uh, the thought of, of closers in the hall and, uh, you know, their own worthiness. Mariano Rivera was somewhat of an exception, and obviously I don't think he's quite worthy of a unanimous vote by the baseball writers, but clearly he's Hall of Fame material. These other guys maybe are, are questions. Are you are you siding with uh, Team OK or Team BB on this one? I would lean toward Big Hall in terms of closers are concerned. I'm not a huge closer guy, but um, like all three of those guys would have my vote and Rivera would be an easy one. It's very difficult to accumulate a lot of wins above replacement when you're pitching that few innings. Um, but as far as you know, their effectiveness in the innings they did pitch, they were all among the best to ever do it. And Rivera was the best to ever do it. And as a result, his war total is even on par with, with like a, decent chunk of starters in the Hall of Fame. Hoffman and Wagner come up short in, in that regard, but, I mean, Wagner had a, like a 187 ERA plus, which is extremely high, and pretty much throughout his career was just very, very um, reliable. Um, the Yeah, Rivera just kind of just takes the cake in, in every aspect as far as, like, his numbers in the regular season and the sub one ERA in the postseason, And he pitched a lot in the postseason as well. So, I mean, he had the regular season numbers and the, the postseason bonus stats to pad those. Um, Wagner, of course, wasn't very good in the postseason at all. Um, but um, I wouldn't, I just because of how dominant his regular season stats were, I think, that would be enough for, for me. Um, yeah, usually for closers, I think if with how little they pitch, if they manage to get to roughly 25 wins above replacement, I typically lean toward yes on, on them, but, um, um, but it, it all varies depending on the situation. But so I think- I'm the bad cop here. I'm the mean guy. All right. Well, Crystal, your argument was, uh, and I think it's a valid one is listen, closer is a position per se. And, you know, we're looking at the best of positions. Next year, we're going to have David Ortiz on the on the ballot, I and mean, obviously almost exclusively a designated hitter, or certainly that his damage is designated hitter. We're going to have to evaluate him as a designated hitter. Uh, I'm getting it, even though his war may clear, he might be more of a Rivera guy who clears it. But I think your argument was, uh, you know, for position, these are some of the best ever at their position. Yeah, absolutely. They all matter in some way or shape or form. And if they were incredible, then they deserve to be looked at. 
I did not anticipate I was going to be the mean guy of this crew, but I, Chicago <laughs> tough, I guess. I don't know. You guys are, you know, Indianapolis cool, and I'm just angry, barking, screaming at the wind, yelling at the clouds. Story of my life, guys. Uh, all right. That's the uh, baseball writers and Southside Sox regular old Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Again, you can still read the story on site, of course. A bit of a disappointing, if not completely unexpected result and that no one was elected. No one really came close. I think that surprises me. Uh, Schilling was the guy who was more or less on the verge last year. And for very good reasons, he took a step back this year and hopefully will fall completely off the ballot and out of all of our consciousnesses one day real soon. Uh, but yeah, other guys, uh, it's last, last ditch attempt for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Next year, it seems like their trends are not keeping up either with Southside Sox or with the baseball writers, which is sort of startling. Um, Roger Clemens being a much, seems like much more of a borderline criminal personal jerk than even Barry Bonds. Uh, so I think you can even draw a distinction between those two guys. My old favorite, old favorite Barry Bonds, I think is going to fall short. There should be a father-son in the Hall of Fame, for God's sake, because Bobby Bond should be in the Hall of Fame as well. But that's a discussion for a different podcast, and I will invite the Indianapolis contingent to talk to me about that and interrupt me maybe because I just keep talking and talking and you guys are politely smiling. We're going to take a break. We are going to discuss the brand new <laughs> phase three of the relentless attack of Hall of Fame voting on Southside Sox after our break, which is the Chicago White Sox Hall of Fame. I'm going to get some thoughts from Crystal and Joe on that. We'll be back in about a minute. If you're watching the video, just shut your eyes and chill out for about two seconds. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey there. Brett Valentini back. Southside, Pod Southside Sox podcast number 20. I'm talking too much. I'm tripping over myself. I'm the only one who needs take two and take three. These guys are just smooth as silk. It's Crystal O'Keefe to the side of me. Down below, it's Jumpin' Joe Rhesus. We're talking White Sox Hall of Fame. This is the fourth annual thing. This is something I started up, we started up. Ken Wo, the lunatic wrestling fan who's no, no longer with us really on, on site, started up and did a ton of the work. Did, I think it was 8,000 words he wrote. Uh, when we first launched this thing, when I uh, came on, he loved the idea. A lot of his writing is still on the story that you can read. It's linked in this post as well. Uh, his entries for guys who haven't made the uh, Hall of Fame yet and were on the initial ballot, have some support but haven't made it yet. 
uh, are all there. So he's getting credit for that as well. And thank you, Ken, you lunatic wrestling fan for doing that for us. Uh, eventually all traces of you will be wiped from the hall of fame articles, unless you come back and write some, I know now that Harold Baines is in the hall of fame, white Sox hall of fame and all the hall of fames. You don't care about any of it anymore, but we still love you. You lunatic. Uh, okay. Listen, we got a white Sox ballot and there are legit guys. I counted down to 10 cause I used my max vote and the war numbers just for the white Sox are still very impressive. Even at number 10, clearly over time, we're going to get lesser and lesser players. And you're going to have to consider, Oh, I don't know, the guys like a, a Ray Durham or Chet Lemon on the ballot, more seriously than you would, say, in the first election. But I guess right off to, to either one of you, is there a player on the ballot this year who sort of jumps out as being the guy that you would tab as, as, you know, as being a guaranteed in for this fourth class? Why is Red Favor still on here? <laughs> Did, he should have been in a long time ago, I feel like, right? I mean... We have bias against the aged players, it seems. I mean, Ed Walsh barely made it in last year on the third ballot. So you should not be surprised at Red Favor, Joe. Fair, fair. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. um, I do recall, uh, I think it was, yeah, a few months ago. um, There, there, I may have been a closer year ago, actually. um, There was like a Twitter like tournament about greatest White Sox player of all time. And I seem to remember the um, players from that era tended to do very poorly on that. So that is totally fair. Um, But yes, a clearly innocent member of the 1919 White Sox, um, a champion in 1917, um, number two in all time wins as a member of the White Sox um, and didn't really need that much run support to do that. Um, Played 20 seasons for the White Sox and um, was good in nearly all of them. Um, And I also have positive memories about, I'll always think of him kind of in a brighter light than most people because that first Sox math championship, (laughs) question about him and if the whole thing would have been the same, except he would have admit, omitted that one question, I would not have won. Um, so, ding, ding, ding! It is a Joe Reese's podcast, and it is yes. a Sox math reference. There's your champion, people. Mm-hmm. There he is. Thank you. <laughs> totally, totally legit. And you know, one of the great what ifs in not just White Sox but baseball history. If he doesn't have the flu, if he isn't serving, I don't think he was actually overseas, but he was serving uh, in in the guard or something, got the flu, was sick all season, was sort of injured sick, wasn't even, I believe, active for the World Series in 1919. If he's a member of your rotation, a lot of things could change. We'll never know. But, uh, you know, for that alone, deserves a little extra uh, consideration because, as you pointed out, he was clean and legit, but also, unfortunately, sidelined for the 1919 World Series. Crystal, do you have a, uh, a pet guy on this ballot? I don't know how popular of an opinion this will be, and I like going for the newer guys anyway. Okay. I'm sorry. I love Chris Sale. I loved also making fun of Chris Sale. Um, <laughs> That's part of the love. <laughs> my poor husband received so many um, scissor jokes after the uniform debacle, but <laughs> I could not ever deny his talent, so I think he's my pet favorite. He's just 
he's a hot mess, but in the best kind of way. So I love him. He's super talented. Sorry. Not sorry for all the things I said about him. Still love him. But yeah, yeah. he's my pet favorite. I think he's uh I think he's building a case. I think he was on the ballot maybe from the start or or maybe second year. Uh he he just made, but he made my ballot. I think I think if you're dipping down ten, he is a, a, a legit guy. I'm not sure he's your number one pick. Scissors aside, we can we can enshrine him with some scissors. I mean, we're doing plaques. I think we've only done actually one plaque write-up where I'm like bronzing the photo or what it's ridiculous and Maybe I'll get my act together and do more of them. Um, AP, Katie's Phil, he's, uh, he's sort of our main writer on that. Again, another thing Ken Will was supposed to do, but now, I don't know, he's, he's, he's watching wrestling or talking about the Bears or something. Anyway, I love you, Ken Will. I don't mean to be picking on you. Uh, but, yeah, when we do his, uh, yeah, when we do his uh, uh, plaque, when he's eventually in trying, yeah, we can throw some scissors on it. Come on. That old, That's only that fair. On the hat. Just whatever. You know. I mean, listen, he went after my uniforms, man. That was, a, that was the first team I watched. And I know they're clowny, and I know they're pajamas, and I know they're very odd. But <laughs> come on, man. He picked yeah, – the re- and wait, if, if I'm correct, guys, he cut those up because they were too, they were too um, constraining? The yeah. softball uniforms were too <laughs> constraining. He got some issues. I I might be going against you now, Chris. I might have to go back and change my. I might have to chase mine into the post office box and. (laughs) Yeah, he's a lovable hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) And we do wish him well. We don't want him to win games against the White Sox, but hey, he's on the mend. Uh, He has a legit Hall of Fame case, and I'd say he might be right on the brink of of a big hall. uh, Election, so he does still need some years to fortify his case as a, you know as a legit hall of famer, you know? So, uh, okay. Uh, for either one of you, I guess we sort of got a pet candidate. Maybe crystal has another one she's going to hit us with, but, uh, you know, a guy who probably is unlikely to make it this year, or maybe even get the support to eventually make it, but any just particular favorites on the ballot beyond Chris sale and uh, redstone red favor, uh, with you guys. This one, I feel like is an unlikely candidate, um, but he is in the conversation for best center fielder the White Sox have had. Um, Lance Johnson is a pretty strong candidate. Um, He was very versatile, um, very um, a big threat on the base paths, and um, center field is a pretty premium position, and though he didn't have much power was pretty decent at getting on base as well um, and had some pretty good defensive stats. So um, I feel like he certainly deserves um, um, some, some credit for, for that. Um, and didn't really light um, you know, jump off the charts in any particular year, but was pretty consistent overall for them. All those things may be true, Joe, but you're breaking my heart when you say in the consideration for best all-time White Sox center fielder, and you do not mention my all-time favorite and first favorite White Sox player, Chet Lemon, as the guy who probably actually is the best center fielder in White yeah, Sox history. I think you're I, breaking I, my heart, Joe. Um, but that's not an unlikely candidate, right? <laughs> All right. Okay. Catch me on the technicality of my own question. <laughs> for God's sake. Uh, all right. Okay. I just, I had to get my chat reference. Like you and Soxmith. I got to get my chat lemon reference. Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. Somebody else from say that um, miserable uh, mid to late 2000s 
starting rotation that's another pet guy of yours, uh, Crystal, is like Jose Quintana, you know, your next pet guy? I was about to say, he might actually be. <laughs> I, I, I think I've determined your bias. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he's still, I saw so many people on Twitter, you know, with all of this free agency and everything else. Everyone's like, yes, let's bring him back. He's so amazing. And I have watched him with the Sox. I watched him on the cut. Like, I like him. I think he's super great. I wouldn't have minded if he came back here to the South side. So yeah, he might be another pet favorite. Yeah. I mean, as at the price he ended up signing for, yeah. I mean, whoever the White Sox end up using to fill the number four role, I'm going to guess is, is not going to be an upgrade from Jose Quintana. So it would have been nice. And he could have, Hey, let's put the important thing is he would have continued to build his case for the South side Sox, White Sox hall of fame. And now he's not going to get that chance. So I don't know. I thought, I think he's still lovable enough. He might. Eventually. Yeah. I guess it's just a one year deal and yeah, he could just come back, you know, when somebody else breaks on the White Sox and he can come back and still fill that fourth. Yeah, it's just right. an audition out there in um, Disneyland. He's just coming back in 2022. All right. Oh, that's that's plausible. All right. Uh, well, while in the past we've had a lot of uh, entertaining categories, I, I've always crunched a bunch of other non-player categories, best team in history, best promotion, and best gimmick. Uh, it sort of got all clumped together. I want to try to space that out. So this year I did just skip that. It's actually the, the skinniest ballot we've ever had here in the fourth year. Uh, it's something I'm sure that will be brought back, but I do want to let everybody reading uh, know that, you know, if there's categories you have, or if you did like that, or if you think it's silly, uh, yeah, let me know in the comments because, you know, it's just something on a lark I did to figure to make it more fun to do this as you're scratching your head to try and figure out, oh yeah, I should vote for Ted Lyons because he's like one of the best pitchers in baseball history and clearly is, is the second best pitch pitcher in White Sox history. Vote for Ted Lyons, people. Come on. Early returns are good, but for crying out, I don't want to have to, I don't have to ballot shame every year not every year joe reese is jumping joe's already on brad faber he should get in yeah, too. but for the record ted lines was my number two pet for that question yeah and because you jumped on lance johnson because you took the one dog uh mm-hmm. i'm gonna say my pet guy for this is i know a favorite of yours is ray ray durham oh my oh, goodness one of my all-time favorite players he had the he had he had this it was a he was a power packed energy wad seemed to have a smile he's badass I uh, didn't ever really bring the White Sox to the promised land, and he's not necessarily that kind of player, but boy, I loved his production, and it piled up, and this is why he's on the ballot, because this is not just me picking names out of a hat, or guys who like um, uh, very cinematically destroyed uniforms before a game he was supposed to start, but no, I pretty much just go down, I look at White Sox war, and that's how these guys get on the ballot, which is why if I had introduced more players on, I wanted to tone the amount on the ballot as well. So we're just sticking with 25, maybe going forward. We're going to stick with 25 from here on before it was up in the thirties or something. Uh, Jose Abreu is a guy who's clearly going to be on the next ballot, uh, providing we elect somebody this year, he's going to get on next year because he's already crossed that threshold. I think the threshold right now is maybe about 20 war with the White Sox and uh, he's passed it. So Maybe it's good to give it a skip this year because I know he's going to be a guy who's going to get on like that. He's going to just shoot past all the guys who pitched for the White Sox for 20 years and somehow still aren't in our White Sox Hall of Fame. Uh, But, uh, yeah, that's my pet guy. 
uh, anything else about this ballot? Is there a category, uh, perhaps in the silly category that, uh, that you're going to miss this year that you want to see, make sure come back next year, either one of you, is there something you've thought of that we want to make sure that we're uh, covering in the et cetera category? Because, uh, you know, it's an important part of the ballot. It does get a lot of votes. Folks, it sounds like a no vote out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I love Billy, but I don't know what to bring back. Yeah, we will obviously we will continue to commit to the silly, and, and many of these categories are silly. Or you know, they're uh, like the one hit wonders. Uh, I think Albert Bell won last year for a meteoric player. I think Dick Allen won the year before. A guy who had a real short but very impactful career with the White Sox. Uh, character. Tom Pachorek won last year. You know, just, I mean, at some point we're going to run out of this. So I did just want to stagger it because I can't just keep doing these guys every year. There can't be 20 years from now, there can't be 20 great Hall of Fame worthy White Sox teams. I suppose there are, but we're really starting to scrape uh, if we're getting to the 20th greatest team. And I also don't really want to do things where it's like, hey, let's enshrine the worst White Sox team ever. <laughs> I mean, silly is one thing, but maybe we shouldn't celebrate the vast, vast stores of underachieving out there in White Sox history. So I guess we've covered both ballots. Uh, thank you for joining us on this second Hall of Fame-themed podcast. There are a lot of other things still to discuss with the White Sox, and we'll be doing that in future Southside Sox podcasts. But, uh, Joe, Crystal, thanks for uh, hopping on with this one. And I hope this has been a good listen and, and a lot of fun for everybody to, uh, to watch in here. Yes, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you again. Glad I could voice my angry opinions a little bit more. <laughs> Indianapolis contingent in the house. Yes, and Crystal, she can't get angry. It's not just all gentility down there in Indianapolis. Uh-uh. She, she, can, she can bow her neck a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for reading. Uh, vote, please. We have this week to vote in the Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame, and then you won't be asked to do anything the rest of the year. January is just the month where we're doing all the voting. Don't have to do another thing. You can just click all those little polls we run on site where all you have to do is hit one little dot. You don't have to actually go to another site and spend a couple minutes voting for candidates. Uh, but that is our third Hall of Fame contest. We'll, uh, on Friday, we'll have the story announcing what seemed to be at least, at least would think one or two candidates making our fourth class of the White Sox. Hall of Fame, and we'll run it again uh, in another year uh, with increased candidates and all the fun categories. I'm not sure if my guests agree, but all the fun categories that you're used to checking out on the Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame poll. Guys, thanks for joining me. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, let's get back together, uh, you know, Eastern Time Zone, Indianapolis contingent uh, sometime real soon. All right. Yeah.